All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Elections Weekly. Uh, we got a good show for you today. We've got some interesting content to go over. There have been some additional races that have been called since we did our last episode. We did an early episode last week uh, discussing some of the races that had been called by that point. Since then, many more races on the West Coast have been called. Many more races, in particular, in states like Arizona, Nevada, Washington, and to some degree, California, where the votes continue to be counted. Uh, we'll continue to be counted for some time. We do know most of the election results from the state of California. I believe the only two the only two congressional districts we're waiting for right now are, as far as majority control goes, are the 13th and the 22nd. And not even majority control. That's just in terms of, of how those seats will actually finish up. 41? Uh, oh, the Michelle Steele Steel seat? No, that's the uh, uh, Calvert seat. Oh, Calvert. Yeah, I thought that one's over. I thought that's been called. I don't think called. it's been Oh, it has? Yeah, it's been called. Okay. Yeah, Will, Will Rollins, yeah, Will Rollins does not want to admit it's been called, but it has been called. Um, gotcha. He's basically pulling a Joe Kent where he's pretending that if you cure enough ballots, you'll make a lead go away. Um, so let's go ahead and actually start with that because I want to talk I want to talk about Washington because this is actually the upset of the cycle, I think. Um, we have, And I, I say this as, as an outlet where we collectively had New York, most of those races that we even had New York four, but that was on the board. I think he, we even had Washington three on the board. We did. I Yeah, but I don't think anyone expected in an R plus three-ish environment that Joe Kent would be going down in Washington third. In hindsight, all the signs were clear. Joe Kent was a flawed candidate from the start, running against, unseating a very popular incumbent who had previously won in wave years by five points, went by 13 last time, uh, running a bizarre populist campaign, out of touch with local issues like timber, out of touch with generally the conservative movement out of touch with generally the average person um just running a completely ineffective campaign based entirely on online populism while his opponent basically ran a pretty solid middle of the road campaign to differentiate herself from national democrats i don't think this will be enough to win this i don't think this will be enough for 2024 i would lean heavily that the seat flips back whether it's even a credible candidate but i think with this this is probably the biggest embarrassment of the cycle for trump because this is a this is even more so than the john gibbs seat uh, Michigan third. This is a seat that voted for Trump. This is a seat that votes for Republicans every single time at the federal level, and it flipped. And the only reason it flipped was because of candidate quality. W what are you guys thinking here? I think is this is probably one of the. This is like the opposite of Oregon six or Oregon five, I believe it was, where you had someone primarying a progress a, a moderate from the left. This is the opposite, and both I, of them failed. I don't agree with that classification because Oregon five was a fairly. Like it, it was not a R plus eight or D plus eight district. Um, it, it was though. It was like it was like Biden well, plus nine, eight or nine. Didn't uh, mm -hmm. didn't whoever the incumbent was before Schrader underperform there? Schrader never underperformed. Uh, he Schrader, no, Schrader, Schrader, won by like Schrader, Schrader, Schrader. Uh, I think I don't know. I don't know how much we want to say because I don't think. I've, I've seen people like use the numbers from the new lines trying to compare to Schrader's results, which is like what you should not be doing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but Either, this is a I, big I, I think Dylan has a point that it's not necessarily the same thing because I don't think you could put James McLeod Skinner on the same level as out of touch as you can put uh, Joe Kent. I McLeod think McLeod Skinner. Skinner had the local I, activists. I, what? McLeod Skinner at least had the uh, local county parties. Yeah, and and I'd say point. I would point. I think McLeod Skinner's issue was more geographical, more than anything. She was from the newest part of the of the um uh, 
district, the Bend County portion, which was put in there to try and help uh, gerrymander the seat. Obviously, that that was kind of the reason it failed a little bit was that they didn't get the numbers out of Bend County that they were hoping to get. Uh, I guess it's other. not Bend County. I guess what what what's that county there? It's not. Is it Deschutes? Yeah, Deschutes County. Yeah, and Deschutes also, County. The D Triple C also triaged the seat. Um, yeah, that wasn't smart. Yeah, uh, some very odd triaging decisions. Um, I think well, that's kind of how we looked back at the Republicans in 2022 a little bit. Like that was kind of the it's kind of like the reverse, and it mm. might just be the reverse if Republicans get the the 13th district in California, because I think that would put it at 212 to uh to uh, mm-hmm. 213, which is the inverse of what it was. 222 uh, to 213. It'll be the yeah, exact opposite. Yep. So. Very yeah, I, but I think I think if you're looking at the Joe Kent race, you know that's just called. You kind of have to lie in your bed, and you you, you made your bed, and you kind of have to lie in it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Joe Kent was a bad candidate. Um, you can't tell me that somebody who aligns both with the nationalist wing and Nick Fuentes and fairly closely with a socialist wing is going to perform well in a Republican seat. Like, it's, yeah. Like what we're, t- when we're talking about Joe Kent here, the, the issues he were emphasizing were, I think there, there are articles coming up. He was talking about forestry jobs, timber jobs going to China. That's just objectively not the case. Uh, the, the competition for timber in the United States is not with China. Uh, that, but that's the level of out of touch Joe Kent was with the district where that matters. This is the issue where fishing matters. This is a district where they don't care, for example, about Joe Kent saying on Twitter that people need to stop watching sports because sports is basically the opiate of the masses or aligning with groipery crowds before disowning them or, you know, um, potentially supporting Bernie Sanders in 2020. I know he said after the fact that he supported him only in the Democratic primary, but he's also praised Bernie Sanders on Twitter. Like, this is a guy who basically was struggling to find a lane, I think. And I know I've seen people bring up his military record. That doesn't matter as much as people think it would. Um, and it certainly didn't matter for the people who were attacking John McCain for the last 30 years. Military record did not matter to them. Uh, it really just did not matter. I think he was just a abysmal candidate. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I don't even know what it, the military record stuff was. So. I didn't know that Joe Kent had a military record. He was, he was I a knew he had a military record. He was a Green Beret and his wife was killed. He was a Green oh, Beret and his wife right. was killed in Syria. That's right. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, which I get, like, even that level of sympathy, like, I think the problem for him is you're coming into an area with a very, very popular representative. The only reason you're primarying her in, in a jungle primary here is because she voted to impeach Donald Trump. And then, lo and behold, the impeached candidate or the, the pro-Trump candidate doesn't do very well. We saw there's an article, good article in 538. Uh, the penalty Trump candidates saw this election, five percentage points on average. You you switch five points in this race, this goes the other way. Tiffany Smiley won this district by, I believe, about nine percentage points. There are a substantial number of voters who voted. What the yeah. fuck, man? Yeah, there are percent, a large percentage of voters who voted for Tiffany Smiley but could not stomach Joe Kent. And, that and really it's says not like it all. Tiffany Smiley got close. She did. She did okay for a Washington Republican, but like within Washington Republican bounds, she didn't do anything exceptional. Right. This again is this is a seat Trump would have won by by four percentage points. 
no excuse for losing this in a more favorable year for Republicans. This is just a colossal candidate failure. No, and I I don't think this will be like Alaska, where Mary Poltola does not seem to be in any danger right now. Um, the incumbent the incumbent Democrat here would be in danger next cycle. Well, she's in a much she. I would disagree that Peltola is not endangered. It's more a better field where Republicans who aren't split in particular. The big issue I, with Republicans in this is they could never consolidate behind a candidate. Um, oh, I meant the, this cycle. This, oh, yeah, this cycle. Yeah, this is totally different. Yeah. Uh, coming up, yeah, she's going to be a hard one to hold on to. Again, this is a pro. This is a very pro-gun sort of district. This is a district that does not like federal Democrats extremely that much and is very open to moderate Washington-type Republicans. Um It'll be interesting to see who Republicans run because obviously they're having some issues with candidate quality. But I think on the top, the top of their list of things to keep an eye on here to to find good candidates for would be this sort of seat. This is the seat you should be expecting to win back next cycle, or at least to try. Don't run um, Riper adjacent candidates. That's a good yeah. Don't run. Point. Don't yeah. run nationalist socialist candidates. Like that's just a straight. You know, you think this. You think this would make sense, but apparently some people needed to learn the lesson the hard way. Uh, just like, you know, progressives in Oregon, I uh, believe Oregon 5, needed to learn that you probably shouldn't have primaried Kurt Schrader. Because I think it's, looking at the numbers, it's hard for me to see Kurt Schrader having lost that. That seat was officially called about a three percentage point win. Republicans actually, even though they did not win the gubernatorial race, they actually came close to flipping uh, another district, the 6th district. A Constitution Party candidate was in the way there. So, oddly enough, this cycle, I think we mentioned it last time. Red wave in a lot of areas you wouldn't expect. In a lot of other areas, it was moderate, bluish sort of environment. You saw Republicans doing very well in states like Oregon, states like New York, states like California, even where they appear set to basically hold all of their competitive seats and maybe pick up the 13th, which is a real achievement given how difficult this redraw was. Um, so let's go ahead and shift into that. California, the results are still being counted. We're still waiting for two districts. The new 13th and 22nd districts in the, in the Central Valley. Both of these are double-digit Biden seats that were drawn to be majority Hispanic, drawn to eliminate Republican incumbents or to eliminate the opportunity of Republicans winning them. And it appears very likely that David Daldow is going to win in the 22nd, a district that, like the 27th, uh, that uh, that Mike Garcia keeps winning, did not vote, uh, does not vote Republican at the top of the ticket. The 22nd voted for Gavin Newsom. 2018, I'm pretty sure it did this time as well. The 13th, less of a surprise. Republican Democrats have a better candidate there. Uh, he just got a pretty favorable drop out of, I believe, uh, out of Fresno. Fresno. Yeah, so we're still waiting for this one. That one's going to go down to the wire. Uh, but Republicans held those. They held the 41st district with uh, uh, Ken Calvert, the newly redrawn seat there, held both of their Orange County districts, came close to unseating Katie Porter. Could have actually maybe done so with a bit of investment in a better candidate, given it appears every other Republican statewide has won this district as it stands right now. Um, kind of like I saw earlier, this is another area, a blue area, where Republicans were saved by a lot of different factors. So what would you guys kind of credit why Republicans did so well in California compared to their flops in, say, Ohio or in uh, Michigan or Nevada, for example? What's different about California? candidate quality um in california democrats ran the bad candidates um at least in california 27 um chrissy, chrissy smith, smith. Is, yeah chrissy smith has now lost that seat to mike garcia what three times mm -hmm. this is her third loss 
In a row. In a row. Um, I don't know how they haven't found a better candidate by now, but they have not. Um, I would I would say there's also probably an argument that Jay Chen and uh, Yusuf Mahmoud uh, going up against Michelle Steele and Young Kim, respectively, uh, were not the highest quality of candidates mm-hmm. uh, either there in Orange County. But I yeah. would push back. I would say Democrats got their candidates of choice in the Central Valley, Rudy Rudy Salas and a- a Adam Gray. Those are their well, two top two recruits. Those are recruits they wanted for a long time. Adam Gray isn't bad. Rudy Salas isn't bad. Rudy Salas is going up against a very good incumbent, though. Um, somebody with a fairly moderate record. One of the Trump impeachers. One of two to actually survive, along with Dan Newhouse. Um, so I think that's what you credit there. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know anything. I don't know enough about California 13 to really make a judgment. Mm-hmm. Again, these are all Central Valley, low turnout. Um, they vote more down ballot Republican to some degree, especially in gubernatorial races. Uh, like, for example, in California, Fresno County has not voted for Republican since I believe 2004 for president, but it's not voted for a Democrat for governor in, I believe, the last 70 years including the cycle. Uh, I don't think Gavin Newsom even came close to winning it this time. Uh, that's the sort, of the sort of issue you have with turnout and with, with you know, a lower electorate and also with just a, a more open to Republicans at the, at the bottom of the ticket here, um, which was able to help them survive a map that I think most people would say was objectively a very, very bad situation for Republicans. With that new, you know, the new, the new Kevin McCarthy seat basically gobbling up every white voter, uh, from Bakersfield to Fresno, um, and it did not even seem to work this time. Uh, it's just a pretty impressive effort from Republicans, I would say. Even if they don't hold the, even if they don't win the thirteenth, holding the twenty second is a much bigger deal. Yeah, yeah Fre- Fresno is going to Brian Dahl is winning Fresno by ten points right now for yeah. context. He's winning. Well, I think that's maybe a, a comment on California as well is that Gavin Newsom, I think, greatly underperformed expectations mm-hmm. uh, in the general election. Uh, compared to what he does. And I think there is a lot of fair comments to be said that that's because the man wasn't campaigning in his own state. Mm-hmm. Not that he necessarily yeah. needed to, to win, but he probably needed to, to help out down ballot candidates down yeah, in Orange it, County in that area and probably in the central Valley too. Yeah. Like and if you, look at, if you look at the map here, if you look at the map here, you know, he's losing San Joaquin County. That could well flip. That's within two points. He's losing Stanislaus County by nearly by 18 or 16 percentage points, losing Merced. By fifth, by ten percentage points, only losing San Luis Obispo by six, only winning Santa, uh, only winning Ventura by eight, losing Orange County, Riverside, and San Bernardino by five to six point margins. Uh, this is substantially worse than, for comparison, Alex Padilla, who was winning San Joaquin County, who was within ten in Stanislaus County, who's nearly winning Merced, who's only up, only down six in Bakersfield. Um, it is interesting for that comparison here. And Republicans did have a decent candidate. They do have a candidate right now. Uh, they're a candidate for controller who is within 10 percentage points statewide, Lan, Lan He Chen. Uh, Kraz made a good point of pointing out this race early on as one where Republicans could do slightly better. Uh, it's absolutely turned out to be the case. He's got over 20% in San Francisco. Really impressive for Republicans. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're seeing kind of a reverse of... Uh, the New York gubernatorial race. Newsom probably dragged the rest of the ticket down, whereas Zeldin dragged him up in upstate New York. <laughs> that that could certainly be said for sure. But if you want, if you want to talk about someone dragging down, 
Uh, let's go ahead and move to Arizona because I think we kind of exhausted California. Arizona is oh, one of the more – yeah. Yeah, this is one of the more interesting states we've been watching. We expected this race to go Republican for governor, Democrat for Senate. Uh, we had a tentative, tentative lead for Carrie Lake. Most polls had shown her up the entire campaign. Uh, it turns out voters did not like Carrie Lake. In fact, they did not like virtually any other Republican on the statewide ticket. Well, normal Republican uh, Kimberly Yee won her race by about 10 percentage points. Uh, Blake Masters has appeared to lose his by about five or six. Uh, Carrie Lake has lost hers. I think the only one that's close at this point that, that's like is within a thousand votes is uh, the attorney general race. If I recall, yeah, right. yeah, it's not within a thousand votes. It's within like fifty votes. Wow, it is it is incredibly tight. Yeah, it is uh, it last, is like actually crazily tight. Like yeah, <laughs> last for thing a I statewide saw the race like, was up scarily, 30, scarily tight. Yeah. Like, yeah, but if you if you want to wonder why, um, you you just need to. I'll let Joe kind of explain a bit here. But the, the Arizona Republican Party in the last eight six years has gone from being the dominant party in Arizona, controlling virtually every level of power, to being a party that's lost almost every statewide office, uh, lost the presidential race, is out of the governor's offices within a seat of losing the House and the Senate. Uh, they did hold the two competitive House seats they wanted to win. But that's about the only positive sign you get from t from from the election. There, it's just a complete disaster for Arizona Republicans. And they almost lost those two congressional races. Mm -hmm. Barely won them. Yeah. What? Do you, oh my gosh! State parties matter. Who could have figured that? Not <laughs> oh like we're seeing this play You're out in me other that states. Car Kelly Ward is a bad state chair, and she has bad motivations, and thus that leads to bad candidates, and then the bad candidates lose. And when they don't get when Kelly Ward doesn't get Kelly Ward's favorite candidates, she doesn't do much to actually work for those candidates, and then they proceed to lose, just well, going she, on a historic cycle of losing. She My got God. her favorite candidates this time around, and they still lost. <laughs> yes, what you're telling me, Mark Fincham wasn't a great candidate. Yeah, who yeah, knew? Yeah. Rural, rural man in 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 in, uh, in in cowboy hat, not good. You're telling me that creepy creeper Blake Masters didn't appeal to people? Let's talk about Blake Masters. Um, <laughs> I think in hindsight, you need looking just looking back. I don't even know how we thought this thing would be close. I know the polls were showing it getting closer. Our gut the entire time was correct here, which is that Blake Masters is running an utterly abysmal campaign from start to finish. Even even going back, I know Twitter. This is a big deal on Twitter. Was his primary ads? His ads showing himself shooting a gun. His ad abortion ad. Um, all of these things were just these dark, depressing advertisements that were basically just him standing at a camera and lecturing for about a minute. Can we talk about the gun ads where in <laughs> one he's holding a gun with a silencer and he's like, this is really pleasant to shoot. And then he's got <laughs> another one. Then there's the other gun ad where he's like, this isn't for duck hunting. This is for killing people. And say, okay, <laughs> dude. You're a little excited about this. Yeah, he's a little excited. I mean, look, to be fair, he has shown a, a, an admiration for some, you know, for the violent, you know, sort of like the Unabomber, for example, an admiration for him. What the hell, man? <laughs> what are we doing? We but lucked out. Despite what some people will tell you, despite what some people will tell you, Blake Masters was not a good candidate. and He probably should not run for office ever again. He probably shouldn't hold office. Like, dude seems a little unhinged. I wouldn't want him holding office. The man got 54% of the vote. 
in Cochise County. Do you know how hard that is to do? He got 54% in Cochise County. What the fuck? Is that low or high for a Republican That's Joe? Low. Trump got 62% of the vote here. <laughs> he got 62. Blake Masters got 54. What the uh, fuck, man? What are we doing? We're nominating that guy. That's what we're doing. Also a guy who said we should replace the generals with conservatives and that mm-hmm. black people were the problem with gun violence. Yep. I assume you saw his Native American rap video. Yes. The what? <laughs> he did a. Excuse me. He did a. He did a. This? He did a. He did a cringy I rap video in college. This. Excuse me. He, he did in college. He, he posted a cringy rap video of himself in a Native American war paint. Oh no no no. Okay okay. <laughs> I, I I thought you said native. I you just said Native American rap videos. Like did he rap about the. Natives in Arizona. I was like, "What the hell?" Okay, I did. I did. He see pulled the a J.R. Majewski. Yeah. <laughs> just, just approach it for Republicans. Well. Don't nominate candidates that have ever posted a rap video. They're zero for two. You can like Neither rap of them are particularly close. Actually do it. <laughs> did the Utah? Did the Utah State Senate lady who posted that announcement rap video win? I would be shocked if she won. That was a very Democratic seat. I, wasn't, yeah, I, I thought it was a seat. No, 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 very democratic seat. Salt, oh, Lake, okay. Salt Lake County. Oh, well, yeah, don't nominate candidates who do rap videos. But, like, but, but let's get more to the to the gist of it. Like, why Blake Masters is so bad, right? I think we know we knew from the start the only thing keeping him in this thing was the Trump endorsement. Uh, that was the and only Peter reason Thiel. he was – yeah, Peter Thiel in the Trump endorsement. His advertising from the start uh, was – not Arizona focused, uh, particularly the cornfields, uh, the, apoc- the cornfields of Arizona, the windy <laughs> cornfield. I have been to Arizona. Let me tell you, there are not windy cornfields in Arizona. <laughs> they don't exist there. You know but why? Joe. Because it's the desert. The desert does not grow things very good, except for cactuses and rocks. But what Joe, the hell were we doing? Rural people, corn. This is how tech bros think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you think rural, you think corn. When you think guns, you don't think like I, I like it's just the, this entire campaign was a, was a miscalculation, and and it doesn't shock me that someone who's in venture capital would be out of whack with what the average person thinks. To be this far out of whack, though, is genuinely kind of surprising for a candidate. Um, it's surprising that he didn't hire somebody who wasn't out of whack. <laughs> find a person who has stepped foot in a rural county in Arizona and just hire them. Well, anything he showed that was rural was like apocalyptic. Like his abortion ad where the background music sounds like, like a Joker rant from the dark night. Like he's about to (laughs) announce that the Batman needs to reveal himself in three days or like a bus full of kids is going to be shot or something. Like it was just apocalyptically terrible messaging. And it, it usually when you do like negative advertising, you try to focus on your opponent, right? Like this, this guy, he's bad because he does bad things. And at the end, it's like, I approve this, the other candidate, I approve this message. He's entirely, his entire campaign was him doing long, angry rants in front of negative apocalyptic music in front of the bleakest backgrounds imaginable. All it does is present himself as a negative candidate. 
it doesn't do anything to present Mark Kelly poorly. It just makes him look bad. And, and just Mark makes, Kelly did something. It's the apocalypse now crowd. You know, everything's the apocalypse is coming. Apocalypse now, apocalypse now, apocalypse now. <laughs> and, you know, and, that's all they're yeah. And Mark Kelly did something smart at the end of their debate. He said, look at this guy. <laughs> and, Does and this man look did. like the United States Senator? Would you trust this man to be alone in your room with your kids? <laughs> no, you All he needed to say was that, and it's like, no. No, Blake Masters is a creepy-looking creeper. And, like, I, I get people saying Rick Scott is a senator. Well, one, he won a gubernatorial race, and he barely won it in a red wave. And, two, by the time he actually won that Senate race, he was, like, the most popular governor in the country because of hurricane relief. So that's a little bit Hooray different. for the hurricane like, relief. Yeah, that's a the, little bit different than just, like, this. Republican yeah. politicians recently. That's a little bit different than some weird venture capital crypto bro coming into a race and being like, hey, I love guns and also the Unabomber. Vote for me. And also, through your social security. The tech business has too many weird people. That's the problem. The tech, there are too many weird people in the tech business. Honestly, the social security didn't work either. People are getting too much money. The social security thing didn't work either. That was a, why would you even say that when you're like, I'm in Arizona. J.D. Vance, uh, to talk about the whole tech bro thing, J.D. Vance almost sunk Ohio. He did sink Ohio. He lost his two house seats he, because he of almost sunk it for himself. <laughs> I mean, every every penny I was telling million people, dollars. every penny Republican spent there was justified because he ran double digits behind everyone else on the ticket. The same mm-hmm. thing with I mean Blake Masters. He's running what twenty points behind Kimberly Yee. Like what on earth? Although he's running he's five not. points behind. There are there are a zillion. There are a ton of Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake, Mark Kelly voters. You thought Carrie Lake I want to was, a, was a decent enough candidate, but Blake Masters was a bridge too far. Also, Don Johnson in the chat makes a very good point. How can a tech bro like the Unabomber? <laughs> because these tech, these people are faux intellectuals. That's what you have to understand about these people. They think they are some oh, great, next great thinkers of the world, but they are not. They are I know, stupid. we're witnessing it with Twitter. <laughs> These are people who got lucky into making a, an internet business and, you know, g- good for them. That's actually a genuine accomplishment. And then we're like, because I made Facebook, that means I am a genius in everything, everywhere. See, we're learning Blake this Mas- right now with Twitter. <laughs> yes. Blake Masters suffers from the same problem Mark Zuckerberg has. I am not 100% sure that they're human. <laughs> Like, yeah, they both have this uncanny syndrome. They both these have this uncanny valley. These are four intellectuals. Did, did yes. anyone see the Photoshop of uh, of Blake Masters and Rick Scott? Yes, it's horrifying. It's horrifying. It was yes. the it was the picture. Isn't that of our group, group chat? chat? Isn't that our yeah. group chat? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's our group chat pick. I'm with the United States of America, and may God bless the forever. Blake Masters and Mark Zuckerberg both have the uncanny valley thing that the CGI Carrie Fisher at the end of Rogue One had. <laughs> Just don't. I liked it. I liked the CGI Carrie Fisher in Rogue One. I it wasn't. Like it. I didn't like it in in what the, the Rise of Skywalker, whatever the fuck that. Oh, movie. that was bad. That wasn't. Yeah. That wasn't. C, that wasn't CGI. That was. That no, was. That was uh, just that interspliced was, footage. It was. Yeah, that bad. was. That, that was work. literally. That was literally archive footage from, like. From Force uh, yeah, Force Awakens that they never it was actually bad. used. 
<laughs> it nope. was not good. Yeah. But we're not I here to, to discuss how bad the, the Star Wars sequels were. So we're not here to discuss that. So good. <laughs> I I like them all right, but we'll we'll move on to I think another one which an interesting state. Again, we're kind of going over these western states right now. Uh Nevada. That's the one where we had a pretty decent miss, but also I think our reasoning and most of the people who who put this rate who put these races at Republican, if you looked at the polls, they were these were well outside of like two or three points. These are like routine five point leads for Laxalt. Um, it genuinely did take a surprise to, to have Repub Democrats hold these. But I mean, for what it's worth, it held on pretty much everything but the governor race. And I think the, the secretary of state, one of those two races, uh, yeah, one of the Lieutenant governor. Lieutenant governor. Democrat. Yeah. Lieutenant governor. Yep. Secretary of state, very bigly Democrat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But again, like this is another one where Democrats, Republicans nominated bad candidates. And they lost. Well, uh, is no, there a lesson to be learned in, here? In the, in the races, Republican lost badly. They nominated bad candidates. Yeah, Laxalt wasn't a bad candidate. I mean, mm. well, okay. Laxalt was a mediocre candidate. That's, that's the, he was not bad. He was not good. But he was but, mediocre. But mm. he looks like, a, he looks like a gold star next to J.D. Vance, Dr. Oz, and Blake Masters. Don't forget Mr. Herschel Walker. But Herschel Walker still has a chance to look less mediocre, even though I don't expect. He he has a shot. He has we have Eli however... Musk running a poll about whether Trump should come back to Twitter. Oh, God. Yes! Just <laughs> <laughs> burn it all down. Just... What I love earth? watching. I love watching the world's richest man run a corporation by community. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we like this? Why is society like this? Yes, is currently winning at a sixty-three to thirty-seven pace. I'm voting. I'm voting yes. We're burning this down. Like I'm. This is done. What was I yeah, it's say? anyway. <laughs> yes, Nevada. Uh, look, I don't think this one was necessarily all Republican candidate quality, as much no. as for some reason Adam Laxalt just absolutely imploded in Washoe County. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just, just totally. He's gonna like. I don't think our reasoning was bad. He lost by nine thousand. He's gonna lose by like nine thousand votes. Like, no, yeah, that's not bad. Unlike, that's not bad. At that's all. like super close. That's nice. He, he he still shifted the state like five points to the right from where it was in 2020. The man, like, like, what Clark was like, what a nine point. He still got like a, a two and a half point shift in Clark County. Unlike in Pennsylvania, where if I went, if we went back and I looked at the data again, I could see myself voting leans Democratic on that. Looking back, no, I think our reasoning was perfectly sound yeah. in Nevada. Look, the only the only argument the only counter argument to this was one, the polls being off, which they were, or two, John Ralston being right that um that Adam Laxalt is a poopy diaper head, which well, like <laughs> look I, I don't want to discount John Ralston. His gut was right here, but let's just put it clearly, it was his gut that was right. It was not it was his mm -hmm. this is this is a this is a pundit analysis this is not a statistical analysis of what's going on in the ground it was i don't think he'll win and and he was right and look i mean next time next time if the same scenario happens 
and the Republicans up four, and Ralston says, yeah, I don't think he's going to win. I might give, uh, and provides no other reasoning, I might give some more weight to Ralston than I did yeah, this time. Definitely, definitely. The guy was still like four and a half thousand votes going the other way to the being very mockable. <laughs> mm. I mean, he still would have been like, he still would have gotten two races wrong out of the last whole bunch of statewide mm-hmm. races. He'd still have a better prediction rate than most people. But, yes. but see, yeah. that, that's the interesting thing, though, is what, what I kind of want to talk a little bit about this, is what makes a prediction justifiable? Because the way I look at it is I want our I want our ratings to be justifiable. I think even though we got Pennsylvania wrong, our rating was very justifiable because there had been a very clear shift, seemingly. Mm-hmm. We would have been basically betting against what had been pulled. Uh, that turned out to be the right bet, but it was just that, a bet. I think our New York safe Democratic rating was actually even more justifiable in hindsight because, they, like I suspected, a Republican win would have required Lee Zeldin to get 40% of the vote in New York City. And even then, that's not enough because he would need to do better in upstate and Long Island. 6% is really impressive. I think our rating was justifiable. I think our Nevada rating is justifiable because it was based on actual analysis and i think a lot of times you find that maybe someone like for example ralston's rating he expected cortez masto to win by four percent he expected eight percent of voters to vote for third parties that did not happen he got the he got the the rating right but the total incorrect one other one i'm going to go back to for example is the laxia jane georgia model he absolutely got that race dead on right but he got the margin as d plus five it was a d plus one in a D plus two race, our analysis, which I think I still think holds up, pointed out the scenarios where we would be wrong, where we would, you know, we would be wrong if we would be right if these number of voters turned out and they vote the way we expect. We'd be wrong if the Democratic early vote is as Democratic as Nate Cohen said it was. Turns out it was as Democratic as Nate Cohen said it was. But that requires you to do a analysis beyond just the data and beyond what's actually going on with oh. polling and stuff. That's and that that's a different type of analysis, I think, than than going off of your gut or going off of a model where you're the you can get the race right, but the margin does also matter, I think. When you're and, when it's race is this close, I think it's just I think it's okay to get the result wrong as long as it makes makes sense why you well, made that rating. I I think yeah, I think it's fine to get a rating wrong as long as you're not just wish casting. Um right. if I were if I were going to have made the case, um, and I think I did on our ratings reveal special for, say, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, it would have been, look, Dr. Oz has really, really low approval ratings, much lower than John Fetterman's. Mm-hmm. Um, and the polling is not so overwhelming for me to feel safe with Leans Republican. That would have been the case. But if you look at the data the late breaking data looked good for Oz and Mm -hmm. the early vote was not so overwhelming that I would have assumed based on that alone that Fetterman could overcome what looked like late breaking data that was better for Oz. Mm -hmm. But it turns out that Fetterman, uh, that Mastriano tanked more than expected and Mm -hmm. that tanked Oz. Yep. And again, like that's that's a that's a mistake you can look at, but it's not one that can be really foreseen ahead of time unless you're truly have a genie lamp that requires you to predict something that happened. It's kind of like Vegas odds, right? If if there's odds for a football game, like say that 
Vegas says that a team's going to win by three and a half. And they win by seven and a half or ten. Was Vegas right? They were right that they won. Was the margin right? No. Um, I think it's more defensible, though, to to go that direction. I think it, that, that's kind of the way we got to look at it, right? When you're looking at ratings, we're trying to give you the best idea of how we think these ratings are going to go based on the data we have. Um, if you go back, if we could try to go back and double guess and second second guess everything, that's going to create a different set that's obviously going to go back to where we want it to go to. We could look at all, all the time, look at like the New York thing, for example. We had people telling us that Republicans were going to sweep all of the congressional districts in Long Island. We did not believe this because, well, that's requires you to flip Biden plus eight and Biden plus 12 seats. Uh, it was improbable. It's improbable. Was it impossible? No. But flipping that sort of seats requires a national environment we didn't expect. And it's also a national environment that didn't materialize anywhere but the state of New York. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the thing. I don't know how you could have predicted the exact composition of this election because mm -hmm. it was just such a weird this is going to end up being what an r plus three year it looks yeah, like it's going to be around those numbers yeah in a, if you had told me that this was an r plus three year i would have expected 51 52 republican senate seats and a comfortable 10 to 20 seat majority in the house mm -hmm. That if I told you, if I told you that Chuck Schumer was going to win re-election by less than Marco Rubio, you would have. I would have been Republicans. You would have expected a Republican tsunami. Republicans at that point. You would have predicted a Republican tsunami, like fifty-five Senate seats somehow flipping a ridiculous seat or a two hundred fifty Republican seat majority, because that's like such an absurd concept that, but it materialized. It just also so happened that what happened in Florida and New York didn't have anything to do with the rest of the country whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what we're going to have to do next time is look more at localized. The thing look, is, though, yeah. like that hadn't happened for like 20 years. Like, we had <laughs> and then it stopped. Localization of these politics since, you know, fucking 2002. And that took, you know, 9-11. <laughs> you know that took a legitimate like a nationwide traumatic event for that to occur yeah and, and we had look, another one in covid and even that didn't really do that much to localize politics no or you mean nationalize right yes mm -hmm. yeah I, I think we're gonna have to start looking at local trends more than national trends because florida florida new york oregon and it seems like california all seem to have had many red way, many like red ripples to red tsunamis, and then the rest of the state was, eh, or the rest of the country was like, eh, I like Democrats. <laughs> yeah, you, you got Michigan. Like, I love Big Gret. She's she's great. I, I love her. <laughs> I feel like we need to talk more about Michigan because that if there was a red tsunami in Florida, there was a blue tsunami in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good job. It's almost people. like it's almost like your state job, party being composed. Michigan, good job. <laughs> it's almost like having a state party composed entirely of lunatics, nominating lunatics for almost every office, and mediocre at best candidates in all of your swing districts. Is it great? It's not good. Well, That's a bad it's thing. It's okay. It's okay, Eric. Matt DePerino. DePerino. However, you say his name. DePerno is going to run for chair of the party, and Tudor yeah. Dixon is too. Yeah, because if there's one thing, if there's one thing that we know 
It's that Michiganers love Matt DiPerno. They love him. They think that they love him so much. They want him for all of their offices. Yes, um, Doug Mastriano should learn from this and run for head of the Pennsylvania Republican Party. No, <laughs> yeah, this it. is why this is why Michiganers rejected, voted for Dana, Dana Nessel, who need I remind you was one of the most liberal attorney generals in the country. Voted I for know. her. I love by, it by like eight and a half percentage points over Matthew DiPerno. This would be like if after you know 2014 when you had. Terry Lynn Land running the worst Senate campaign imaginable. She being like, yeah, you know what? I want to run the state party now. The the natural, normal response of sane individuals would have been, no, go away. We're never nominating you, doing letting you have any position in Netflix again. Whereas now I'm like genuinely concerned that Matthew DiPerno could actually have like a, a say in the yeah. future of the Michigan Republican uh-huh. Party, which is just oh my God. Hey, it's okay. Blake Masters is also probably going to run for Kelly Ward's seat or for Senate again. God. Hey, I mean, look, at least it's not like, you know, in New York, Jay Jacobs is, uh, you know, Kathy Hochul was A-OK with Jay Jacobs. So. Yeah, I know. Don't I know. Don't remind (laughs) me. (laughs) Yeah. Jay Jacobs is like, I did a great job. Yeah. Oh, Terry Lynn Land won Wait, what? by Grace in 2020? For what? Yeah, didn't she, win, like, she won like one of those uh like education positions, I think. Oh. oh. Okay, so basically okay. so basically nothing. She won basically nothing. Yeah. She she did win the state equivalent of dog catcher. <laughs> um Ugh. yeah, she's like a Wayne State University Board of Governors member now, I think. Speak. Wow, that's that's so, a prestigious that's a prestigious title right there. Congratulations indeed. to Miss Lynn Land. So speaking of candidates who probably shouldn't be anywhere near their party's official nomination, do we want to move on to the announcement that happened earlier this week? Sure, let's talk about it for a little bit. There's not much to talk about. Donald Trump is running for president again. He's favored, I guess. I don't know. It seems like nobody cares at this point. I've not really He's- I yeah, like, favored. yeah, I mean, he he's he's running for president. Take that as you will. Some people have already endorsed him. He wants to execute drug dealers or something, I think. I'm not sure I didn't watch the speech because, frankly, it's just boring at this point. Um, I watched clips of it. There wasn't even a greatest of, like, man. I hear, I hear it sounded like he was on medicine the whole time. Like, is the, he was is reading the, a the I got. Oh, oh, that's that's Trump at his worst. You... <laughs> yeah, I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Have Trump at his announcement in a closed room on Mar-a-Lago reading a teleprompter. It would have made much more sense to have him announce at the Ohio rally. Mm-hmm. That would have made much more sense. It would have made a lot of sense, wouldn't it have? But then he would have tied himself to the potential future of a midterm beforehand. And uh, in hindsight, that's a bad not, idea. That was that would have sure been a bad how, idea. That would have sure. been a bad idea. Not Seems sure really how much worse. Potentially negative outcomes. Not, and then not it still sure. had negative outcomes anyway. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, not sure how much worse the Trump-aligned candidates could have done besides Herschel losing outright. <laughs> well, that would have been pretty bad. I but we've also, yeah, we also did have another announcement. We had Nancy Pelosi announcing she's uh, basically actually the entire Democratic leadership is just uh, not doing that anymore. So Democrats are going to have an entire new slate of leaders going from the ripe, uh, the, the ripe young ages of 53, 59. Yeah, and still older, still older than the Republicans for what it's worth. But 
<laughs> no, no. Clark Clark is uh I saw Jeffries is 53. Clark oh, is 59. Jeffries. But at, oh, excuse me. <laughs> I thought Jeffries was 49, not 53. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, if, there, if there's one thing Democrats love, it is Hakeem Jeffries. Progressives oh. love him, that he is he is their favorite. Why do you okay. guys not like him again? He he like votes for you with with you on everything. Why is he not why do you not like him? So Hakeem Jeffries, um, now I don't have the exact quotes, but in 20, I think it was 2016, or it was around one of Trump's presidential runs, uh, or by uh, not Trump's, I'm sorry, Bernie's presidential runs. He was like, we can't elect Bernie to the presidency. He's a socialist. Um oh. And he also had a quote out recently where he was like, yeah, I'm a progressive, but I will never bend my knee to the left. <laughs> and, and he formed a super, he formed a super PAC with Josh Gottheimer to fund centrist uh, candidates in open primaries and primary challenges to progressives. Okay. Okay. I, I, I can understand that then. Yeah. So Okay, maybe he votes with what progressives want, but he is very openly hostile to progressive causes. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically, this has just been a really, oddly enough, it's been a pretty slow cycle. Uh, we've just kind of been waiting for those races to trickle in. It would be nice if California could count uh, at a normal rate, like a civilized society, any of them on Earth. But sadly, they do not. So we won't actually be able to announce the the winners of those two races. But we can probably say right now, based on what it looks like, Republicans are probably going to have 221 or 222 seats in the House. Uh, Democrats are probably going to have 212 or 213. Again, it depends on California 13 more than it does on 22. But that's just the state of where things are lying right now. With that, I think we'll go ahead and close off for the night. Uh, thank you guys for watching. Again, we really appreciate all your support for, for what we're doing here. Uh, if you like what we're doing, be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, not just Twitter, because Please. that may not be a thing. Uh, in the in the near future. So I would recommend well, following us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. We've got, uh, we're on, obviously, if you're watching us on YouTube, Twitch, on podcast platforms, be sure to do so there as well. And we have a website, elections-daily.com, where we post all of our articles, analysis, we post thoughts, all sorts of great stuff. You're going to, you, you, uh, you'd love it. So go ahead and subscribe, like to uh, like us there. Really appreciate it. But we'll be back here next week for the next week's edition of Elections Weekly. Until then, uh, have a great week. We'll see you next time.